Great word. We're in a series called Conversations with Jesus, talking about just real things that we deal with in our lives. And if we could ask Jesus any question, what would we ask him? And one of the questions that, that, that I think Jesus would bring up to me if I didn't bring it up to him was I would say, Jesus, you just seem so calm, cool, and collected when it comes to money and resources. And you just didn't seem to be worried about that. Like it just wasn't even on your radar, it seems like. You just were always taken care of by the Father, and yet you were always so generous, and you did crazy things for people, like took a kid's meal and blessed it and multiplied it and fed everyone. I mean, like, it just money wasn't an issue to you. You know, how can I be more like that? And this is what Jesus' response would be, I believe, in Scripture. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus, nine out of the 15 parables Jesus taught were about money and possessions. So he talked about it a lot, but yet it seems to me that many of us are kind of scared to talk about it when really it was on his mind a lot. Check it out. This is what he said. Jesus then turning to his disciples, means he's turning to you and me, followers of Christ. He said, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Jesus kind of just popped us a little bit there. He just went, yeah, when you're all worried about money, it's like you don't even know me. Ouch. Right? You're like, oh, Jesus, that kind of like, you stepped on my toes on that one. He's like, well, it's weird because you say you're a person of faith, but then when we talk about money, Jesus says, it's like you forget about your faith. Wow. Then he goes on to say this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give them to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. No inflation can take it. Oh, wait, it doesn't say that. Sorry, but. <laughs> for where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I love that line. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. What that means is wherever you spend your money, that's what you love. That's what he's saying. Some of you right now are like, Okay, that means I really, my heart is with Whataburger. That's where my heart is, it's with Whataburger. Like where you spend your money, right? That's, that's where your heart is. I, one time I was with a friend of mine and, and I just played golf with him and he goes, he goes, so you like golfing? I was like, yeah, I like golf, it's cool. And he goes, no, you don't. I said, what? I go, no, no, I do. He goes, no, you don't. I was like, bro, I'm out here playing golf. He goes, look at your clubs. I like, what's wrong with my clubs? He was like, how old are those clubs? I was like, I don't know. And I had to be honest, I think they're older than me. Because my mom bought them in the garage sale and gave them to me. <laughs> Literally, that's how I have golf clubs. And he goes, I know you're not into golf because you won't put money into it. Wow. Makes you ask the question like, I wonder if I'm into God. Because one of the ways you know you're into God is you're not afraid to invest in the Lord's work, right? So it's, it's convicting, right, when you think of it that way. But Jesus, if you're having a conversation with me, you say, hey, Jesus, how did you live so differently when it comes to resources and finances. You just weren't worried about that, and yet you were always taken care of. How can I live like that? And I believe Jesus would tell us to trust the Lord, and then he would tell us to live by a principle that he wrote. We forget, Jesus wrote all the Old Testament too. He was, it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were all there when all this is written. And this is what Jesus teaches us to do. Now, before I get to this, I want to just say this. I want to talk today about tithing. Tithing means you give one-tenth or 10% of your income to God. Now, before you freak out and run out of here and go, are you kidding me? This is crazy. Or This is always happens, by the way. This is always the one time you finally got your friend to come to church with you, right? You're like, oh, great. The one time, right? It always it's okay. It's okay. God must have a message he wants them to have just like he wants you to have. And so, but I want to tell you something. I'm not trying to get something from you today. 
I'm trying to get something to you today. So it's a different approach to, to money. And God teaches this. And it's such a powerful principle what he teaches us. But I really believe this. First of all, you need to know this. You're already tithing. You're already tithing. Look what the scripture says. It says in Malachi chapter 3, Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return to you when we have never gone astray? This is people going, well, God, I'm right here. I'm talking to you right now. Well, I haven't left you. And God says, yeah, you have. And then he says this, should people cheat God? Now, if you're like me, that conversation just took a really hard right. You're like, whoa, 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 where'd that come from? You know, return to me now. You've been cheating me. Whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? You ever notice that God brings up things like when you're talking to him that you aren't even talking about? It's a reminder that God's in charge of the conversation, not us. So he says, hey, return to me. You've been cheating me. How have we been cheating you? You've cheated me, but, but you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. See, I really believe our country's under a curse, a financial curse. And, and, and let me tell you, I don't know if you know this, but I know you don't have a problem tithing because you're already tithing. The average American is giving 11 to 12%, so you're over tithing. The average American is giving 11 to 12% towards interest on their credit cards every month. So you're already tithing, you're just trusting in another entity to take care of your needs instead of God. And so tithing is not a problem for you, but you're never gonna get ahead doing that. Have you seen the interest rates that you're paying? You really look at them closely? You know, Leviticus, God said, if you don't tithe according to his law, then I'll charge you one-fifth. You know what one-fifth is? 20%. And so God's saying, just my law is in, in motion. God doesn't come around and charge you. Just the law, when you break God's law, there's just natural consequences with it, or I should say supernatural consequences. How much are interest rates on credit cards? They're over 20%. Think about that. So, wow, I am tithing. I'm tithing to MasterCard or Visa. And I'm not being blessed. I'm being cursed by that. And I'm never getting ahead. God says, you begin to tithe to me and I will bless you. And so I really believe that today is about you and I learning something. I believe God brought me here today to help you break a generational financial curse that's on you and your family. I'm dead serious. So the first thing you need to know, number one, is you may be living under a generational financial curse and not even know it. Now, here's what typically we do financially with our money. Here's what we do. We first earn it, then we enjoy it, then we repay it. This means like things we committed to, you, you know, the car you bought, you got to pay for that payment, you got the house you bought or whatever it is, or maybe credit card debt, then you pay it, right? Then whatever's left, you save it, and then whatever's left after that, you give it, Right? The problem is if you're like me, I would get to number three and after I earned it, enjoyed it and repaid it, I wouldn't have enough left to save or give, right? You're like, oh man, there's nothing, there's nothing left to do, do any of that with, right? And so now I wanna be clear, I'm not talking about giving today. This is actually not a message about giving at all. This is a message about tithing, there's a difference. So you can be a giver. And by the way, if you're giving, that's awesome. And I would call you a good person, I would. Giving is good. The Bible is very talked about a generous man. God blesses. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. Like God says, giving is good. It's better to give than to receive. Giving is a great principle. But that's not what we're talking about today. If you're giving, you can be a good person and still be financially cursed. Maybe you're like, man, I've been giving to God and I feel like I'm still barely making it. You know, why is that, God? I'm, I'm giving. And God's like, well, that's because you, you're, you're not understanding. It's not giving that sets you free. It's tithing. 
Tithing is one-tenth of your income going to God. And that may sound crazy. Some people are like, okay, you're crazy. There's no way I can give one-tenth of my income. I had a guy come to me one time. He's like, okay, Pastor, I hear you talking about tithing. There's no way I can do this. I make $100,000 a year. That means you're asking me to give $10,000. First of all, I'm not asking God is. God's word says that. And he was like, that's crazy. You know how much $10,000? Yeah, it's $10,000. That's a lot. And he goes, I don't know if I can give that much. That sounds crazy. I said, let me pray for you. Let me help you right now. Put my hands on him. I said this, God, I pray, Lord, you lower this man's income to an amount that the tithe doesn't scare him to give anymore. <laughs> he didn't want that. See, it's the ultimate in fairness. 10% is 10% no matter what you make. So when someone says, I have to tithe $25,000, that means you make a quarter million dollars. And so, and people say, well, if I had a million dollars and I would tithe, I, I doubt that if you're not tithing now. And if you are tithing now, I believe you would. And let me tell you why. Because you're already earning a million dollars. You're just earning it in increments. But over your lifetime, your family will earn a million dollars on average in our church. That's just based on the average incomes. You're probably gonna earn more than that actually. And so just think about that for a second. So God says, hey, how are you doing on the increments I give you each two weeks will tell me how you'd do if I gave it to you all at once. And so because tithing doesn't make you who you are, it reveals who you already are. So you're either obedient or you're not obedient with what you have. And so either way, God calls us to tithe. And so then, then I want to mention this too. Maybe you're tipping. Are you tipping or are you tithing? You know, tip is when you give a little something like, hey, I like the sermon or I was touched by, you know, the, what the church is doing next. So I want to give towards that. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not a tithe. A tithe is the first 10% of all that we have. In fact, look what God says next. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's what he, God calls his church as a storehouse. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Wow. That's an amazing promise God just gave. He says, if you'll bring a tenth of what you have to my house, I will bless you that you will not have enough room for it. So if you think about this, this is where your problem shifts. Your problem from, shifts from how am I going to pay the bills? How can I send the kids to college? How am I going to have enough to retire? Those are the questions you ask when you're not tithing. When you begin to tithe consistently, your questions turn into this. What should I do with the next amount of money to invest with? Wouldn't you like to have that problem? Wouldn't that be amazing to shift your problem from how can I pay the bills to, oh, I have an extra again, what should I do with it? What a wonderful problem to have. And that's what God is teaching us here to do. And so, but again, some people say, okay, this is so crazy. 10% is so much. That seems crazy to me. I mean, pastor, if, if, if God's really asking me to give 10%, that means I would have to totally change my budget. I would have to totally reorient, reorient my finances and reorient my life around pleasing God. Right. That's called discipleship. It's what we teach every week. So actually, this is just the financial side of everything else God's asking you to do, which is to reorient your life around him. And so this makes your life fully devoted to Christ. It's not the only thing to be devoted to Christ in, but it's one of the big ones because it's so sensitive to our heart. This is why we're so sensitive about it. We're like, ah, we struggle even hearing this because money is so close to our hearts. Why? Because you spend all week earning it. And that's why it's so close to our hearts, right? So then God says this. He says something crazy. He says, put me to the test. What? I thought the Bible said, don't test the Lord your God. Jesus actually quoted that. It's true. But then God says, but this one area, I'll let you test me. Why would God do that? Because he knows how sensitive it is to us. So he's like, put me to the test. He says this, 
Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So God says, test me, and the pressure is on him to bless you. That means you don't have to manufacture a blessing, but if you begin, just try it. A full tenth to God and watch what God does. And by the way, those of you who are offended right now going, oh, come on. This is just, preachers just trying to give us give money to this church. You know what? I get it. If that's what you think is going on, I want to encourage you to tie 10% to another church. I'm fine with that because you'll still be blessed. Now, I believe that the 10% that we're supposed to give is where we worship, but I won't argue with that with you. The principle still applies. So just give it to the church down the street. Just fine. I can mention three or four that right now, they could probably use your tithe. I mean, go give it to it. That's fine. There's great churches all around us. So just find one that you like, give the tithe over there and watch God still bless you. It's not about which church you give it to. Oh, by the way, it doesn't say to tithe 10% to charity. Giving to charity is great. My wife and I do all the time, but I do not give a tithe to World Vision or to the Red Cross. I give my tithe to God's house. Then if I want to give to some other entities, which we do, we give above and beyond our tithe to those things because I want God to bless me so the full tenth goes to the storehouse. In fact, actually, God never says to give 10% to, to, to give the tithe. He says, return the tithe. He said, it's already mine. That's why if you're not giving it, you actually may be wearing stolen shoes, driving a stolen car, living in a stolen house. I don't know about you, but I don't, you know, I don't want to be driving. I don't want to be riding, riding dirty. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to do that. <laughs> so God says, you may be living on stolen goods, Instead, I want you to live blessed. So God's really strong about this. So he says, test me in this. And by the way, those who say, okay, yeah, pastor, I get it. But that's Old Testament. Jesus never said that. It's not New Testament. Whoa, 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 you sure about that? Look at Matthew chapter 23. This is where Jesus talks about tithing. Now he's in an argument with the Pharisees. <clears throat> Excuse me, he's calling them out. And so he says, hey, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. But in his argument, he speaks some truth really powerfully. He says this, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, <clears throat> but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So it sounds like Jesus is saying you should tithe, but just make sure when you tithe that your heart's right too. That's why he says mercy, justice, faith. Like don't just tithe because I said to do it. Tithe and have a right heart when you do it. But at no point does Jesus say not to tithe. You really want to get theological on you, we'll go there. Oh, well, that's just the law. Okay, you know what? Actually, it's before the law. Did you know in Genesis, Abraham brought one-tenth of his income to Melchizedek, the high priest, before Moses gave the law. Then Moses gives the law and says to tithe in Deuteronomy. And then after the law is complete in New Testament, Jesus says it. So the tithe was before the law, in the law, and after the law. So God clearly wants us to bring a tenth of all we have to him. And he will bless that. But you know what? Rather than just hear from me, I want to invite a couple of friends of mine to come up. This is Gilbert and Monica Cortinez and let them share their tithing story. You guys give them a hand. Would you do that? Come on up, guys. <laughs> Gilbert, we've known each other a long time, man. Yeah, about 20 years. It's crazy, right? Monica, good seeing y'all. Thanks for coming up. You guys go to the Portland campus now? We do. Yeah, this is kind of a homecoming. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's great to have yeah. you back over here. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. You know, I, I wore a black shirt too, but I don't look as muscular as you do. I'm really, I don't know why it's frustrating. But, you know, I love, I, I love when I, I called you two weeks ago because I, I, pr I got to preach this live at Portland while Mason was preaching here. And then we were, you know, just swapping. I'm back over here. But 
But it was so cool because I didn't know these stories you were going to tell. I just knew that you're a faithful guy. And I thought, I bet Gilbert has something to share on this. And then you told me the real-time stories of this year that's been happening. So I just want people to hear what it's God's done. It's definitely been an exciting year. And thank you for having us on such a, such a hard topic to talk yeah, about. right, <laughs> right. I was like, a little bit any, of cringe, right? Been, yeah. <laughs> but a little bit of cringe factor. And, and really for us, we weren't always uh, faithful tithers. We, in fact, we would give, if anything, mm -hmm. on a Sunday. Um, and we'd come to church just like it, we've always done. And, but it was always just a kind of give whatever we felt was good enough. Give maybe whatever I thought was okay, you know, and as if, you know, God was really needing my money. God, God does not need my money. I promise you that. God does not need any of our money. I mean, yeah. look at all he's done and all he's created yeah. for us. But I think, Pastor Bill, that as you mentioned we were just financially cursed because I remember being a young married couple trying to start our family. Yeah. You know, things were tight. I mean, yeah. financially, we were just working, living paycheck to paycheck from one Friday to the next. I remember just kind of like just reaching for that next Friday paycheck just to grab it, take a breath of air, and then we'd dive back underwater for the next week. Wow. Financially cursed, Pastor Bill, because all we were doing was just giving. We weren't being obedient tithers. And it really wasn't until I started diving more into the word, seeing that tithing is throughout the Bible from yeah. start to finish, yeah. uh, spending my time in prayer with God, getting closer to him, and then spending my time in my life group breaking down you know, such a strong principle. So now this has gone from being a cringe factor topic to one of my most favorite topics he talks about. This is why I am one of those who claps and cheers when it is time for offering. <laughs> Let me share why. So this year has been a financial blessing for us. Uh, this has been a year of financial blessings for sure. So I'm in sales. Um, and in sales for my company, a certain product category uh, that I've recently uh, had an opportunity to push. Um, you know, a good sale on any given time would be about thirty-five to fifty thousand uh, dollars for this particular order, and it's definitely something that I celebrate and bring back to the office. We do a couple of high fives. I come celebrate with my wife, like, "Yeah, we just landed a good order." But this year, Pastor Bill, I've actually done something that I really haven't done uh, with my tithing, and we've only been tithing truly for a handful of years, but it's really taken off this particular year. So as these opportunities are coming this year, I'm actually taking more of a preemptive strike on the <laughs> blessing that God says he's going to pour out from heaven and fill into me. I want some of that. Okay, I hold on. I want to be cool a part because of that. You, we, we didn't even know this until last week when you mentioned it. So I was like, wait, because I have some other friends who do this. What you're saying is, like, I got some guys who do business deals, and they'll come by, and they're like, hey, I want to bring a check. And I'm like, oh, what's this for? It's just your tithe. No, I'm just praying God will give me this deal. Yes. So you're giving in front of the tithe because you've seen God bless the tithe. In an act of faith, but more of confidence, knowing that my God wow. is going to provide everything I need. That is some It faith. is not my money to How give cool to is him that? anyways. That's really so, cool. I am honored to do this because I know he has already given me his best. Yeah. He gave his best through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so knowing that God gave his best for us so we could have a, a, an opportunity for salvation. Mm. I know God is a giving God. I have my relationship with Jesus Christ. So Jesus is in my heart. 
God's a giving God. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of giving. Therefore, the spirit that lives in me is a spirit of giving. So that makes me a joyful, cheerful giver during tithing time. So back to the opportunities in my work this year. So going from a $35,000 to $50,000 order was great. But then the $100,000 order started coming in. Then the couple of $100,000 orders started coming in. Wow. Then I landed my first half a million dollar order this year. Unbelievable. And these orders do happen from time to time in my company. They're far few and in between, but I was fortunate enough to have a couple of these hit. And as I mentioned, taking a preemptive approach with my tithe, saying, God, I've got a big opportunity here. I'm asking you to bless this opportunity. You know where my heart is. I'm asking you to increase my capacity so I can continue to give more and more to your kingdom. Pastor Bill, this year, I got an opportunity like I've not seen before. It was uh, for a certain product line, and I remember the day that my client was going to award this order uh, among several competitors that I'm going up against, and I remember sitting in my office and just out of just faith, I said, God, I'm asking you to bless this opportunity. I'm going to give you the biggest tithe I've ever given in my life. And I'm scared. Man in the flesh, I work hard for my money. I don't want to let it go very easy. But for you, God, I know you're going to do great things. And maybe I don't get the order. It doesn't say how God will bless you. He just says he's going to bless you in abundance. So I know out of faith, God, boom, here's the biggest tithe I've ever given. I get the phone call, meet, meet there at the client's office. I'm driving over there. On the way to the client's office, my wife is blowing up my phone. She'll, what did you just do? I saw our <laughs> bank account. Did you really just unload that much money? <laughs> Honey, I know. I'm scared too. But we have to believe God has got yeah. us. He will provide everything we need. Yeah. So I get to the client's office. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. My boss calls me up and says, hey, I need to talk to you. We need to go over this order, kind of cover the details. Meet me back at the office as soon as you can. I said, all right, no problem. So finish up with my client, head back to my boss's office. I'm sitting across from him at his desk. He says, Gilbert, I just want to acknowledge all your hard work, your efforts you're putting in, building respect and trust with the client. But I got to tell you, you're, you're, you're up against some big competitors. I mean, these are giants. We're, we're talking big companies out of Houston going after these same opportunities. I just don't think you're going to get it. It's very low likelihood. And in my heart, I'm just like, oh, God, this is my moment. This is my moment where what you have blessed me with will be my testimony to bring forth to your wow. kingdom. So I pull out a packet from my folder, set it on the desk, and I slide it in front of him. He says, what's that? That's the head of a giant. He opens it up. It is a purchase order contract for $1 million. Biggest single purchase of this product line in my company's history. Only a God moment. Unbelievable. Definitely something we celebrated as a company, my coworkers, my family. Super, super blessed. Um, And so with that, I want to make sure that you don't take this the wrong way. I did not go and cash a check for a million dollars to my bank. <laughs> Certainly a lot of cost with these orders, but it was yeah. truly a financial blessing for us. That's incredible. But the blessings don't always have to be financial. They're not always in a monetary form. And like I said, Pastor Bill, the last time we talked, you know, when you had asked me to come speak, I'm, oh, sure, I'd love to, but I'm driving home from work and I remember God talking to me just so clearly, just as you guys, you and I talked today. Yeah. And I felt the Holy Spirit just say, Gilbert, would you be okay if next year 
I did not give you the same financial blessings that I gave you this year? Let me pull over real quick. This kind of changes <laughs> things for me. So. But what are we talking about, God? He said, well, what if I blessed you more with fruits of the Spirit? Yeah. You know, peace, joy, kindness, love, patience, self-control. I don't yeah. know about you, but I think not just me. I think the whole world could use a little bit more of those yeah. kind of blessings. Yeah. Those are fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians yeah. 5, 22 and 23. But it doesn't always come like that. Sometimes we believe that sometimes you can pray for a specific blessing. Yeah. Put your whole faith and heart into it. So I'm going to let my beautiful wife share a testimony that's just recent on how God blessed her with a healing miracle for her sister. Yes, yeah, so um, I have one sister. Um, you know, we, we grew up very close. Um, it's just me and my sister. And um, we kind of grew up, we, we come from nothing. You know, my family growing up, we were... Um, very humble. The blessings that we had were in health and happiness, which I'm still very grateful for. But this month was a trying month for our family because my sister comes up to me and she says, hey, Monica, you know, I need your prayers. Um, I've taken three different tests and they've all come back abnormal. Now, if you're like me, fear kind of just overflows you. Um, you start jumping to every wrong conclusion you could possibly think of. And that's basically what was happening to me. But that Sunday in, in service, I had an opportunity to where I felt the Holy Spirit try me and say, trust in me, mm. you know. And it was one of those moments where you could think it's your conscience, but I really feel in my heart that we have moments where the Holy Spirit's asking us for obedience and for faith. And so for me, it was more of an act of faith. But that Sunday in church, I just kind of tapped on my husband and I said, hey, we're going to tithe double. This is for Mari. This is for my sister. No questions asked. We tithed. And I'm not saying that money heals. But our to God heals, our, our, God. our God heals. But mm. out of acts of faith, and it can be through tithing. It can be yeah. through service. It can be through prayer. But when God moves something in you and he tells you to do it and you're obedient to that will, blessings will pour over your life. Mm. So we tithed. And not even 24 hours later, um, this was on Monday. My sister calls me, just tearful. And mind you, let me give you a little bit of the background. The three tests, there was a lining in her body that was so thick that they had already sat her in an appointment and they had told her that to prepare for cancer. Um, at this point, they felt because of the, thick, the thickness of the lining that it had already spread. So you can imagine the fear. You can just imagine the, the despair. But on Monday morning, my sister calls me. She says, Monica, it's not cancer. And it, I think that's just one of the testimonies that I can say in life that I feel like when you ask God for blessings, it's not only monetary. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but if you're like me, I'd much rather have a blessing of health for my family Amen. than anything monetary. And it just meant so much to me to be able to still have my sister. She's got three children. I'll take that over any blessing in life. Amen. Um, but those are just, a, you know, that's just another form of a testimony of a blessing. It can be a blessing of a spirit. It in and, no way, shape, or form has to be monetary. And one of many blessings that we have seen as a family so Absolutely. since yeah, we have been tithing. In that moment, money didn't matter. Money didn't matter. Yeah, I would trade moment, any money like, for God, anything. God, I need you to so, my sister. You know, but it, it was just a God thing, you know, yeah. not even 24 hours later. But I just feel there's so many moments in our life where we have the opportunity yeah. to hear God and to just practice any form of obedience. And he will bless you in life. Praise um, God. So Absolutely. Good. Pastor so good. Bill, we're grateful for this opportunity to uh, come and share our testimony with you guys. We hope it's encouraging. And just know we're, we're one of you guys. Like, mm -hmm. we are nobody special. We're, 
we're just a, a young family just trying to make our way in life, but staying close to God's word. And I just feel like we're checking all the right boxes. We're in service. So we, what I mean by that is we serve in first impressions. So we serve our time in yeah. God's house. We honor our time with prayer, reading in the yeah. word, yeah. spending our time in life groups. We're well connected so within our life groups. This is just one more area of obedience This is just another area of yeah. obedience. And you can unlock God's blessings with all of those different areas. So I believe we're just checking the right boxes and God's looking down on us saying, well done, my faithful servant. So good, so good. I've got you on this one. I've got your back on this so one. Good. I'm going to give you everything you need. You guys give Gilbert and Monica a hand. What a great testimony. Thank you, guys. Pastor, I've, Incredible. I've, I've always, uh, 20 years, I've, I've told you I loved you a few times. I've yeah. never said thank you oh, for thank preaching you, boldly and unashamedly the word of God. Thank you, Even bro. the rough subjects. Thank, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank you. Wow. I'm just going to let them close the service and walk off. I mean, I don't even need to be up here. That's, they got the word. It's so powerful. It's so true, and I love it. What a powerful testimony. I want to give you one more principle, and then we'll wrap it up. This is another principle. Deuteronomy 28 says this. The Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouse. So when we give our 10% to God, that's his storehouse. But then God says, make sure you got your own storehouse too, and I'll bless that. So if you bless God's house, he says, I'll bless your house. He says this. He'll command the blessing upon your storehouse and all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord God gives you. So God has land for you. God has blessings for you, right? So the Lord will command the blessing on your storehouse. So here's the challenge for you. You need to open the storehouse. What does that mean? Open the savings account. Open the mutual fund. Start putting something in. How can God bless stocks you never buy? How can God bless a rental house you never purchase? How can God bless an investment you never make? So this is a big challenge that my wife and I really believe in. We've been doing this for years. And that years ago, we started doing something called 10-10-80. to God, 10% to savings, live on 80%. Now, never, some of you right now are like, are like, oh my gosh. You're asking me, first of all, live on 90%. Now, 10, I know it seems crazy, but when you have a, I'd rather live on a blessed 90% than a cursed 100%. And God will more than make up for it. I've seen it time and time again in my own life. And so we couldn't do the first. We always tithe. We tithe 10%. Then we'd save maybe 1% or 2% because we were in school. I was broke. We didn't have a lot of money. Then over the years, we went from 10% to God, 5% to savings. Then 10% to God, 10% to savings. Now it's 10% to God, more than 10% to savings. In fact, actually, it's more than 10% to God has been for years and more than 10% savings. And so God will give you ways to do it. And I know you think there's just no way. I promise you, that's what God will shock you and how God will come through for you in amazing ways. And if you do this, here's what happens. And you, then when you begin to, to live under God's principles, you can enjoy what you have too. Ecclesiastes 6 says this, it is better to enjoy what we have than to always want something else because that makes no more sense than chasing the wind. Guys, I need to let you know something. Stuff won't satisfy. It won't. I'm just telling you right now. You know the car you drive that you're ready to get rid of? You used to dream about that car. And now you're ready to trade it in. You know the outfit you sold for a quarter, right? At the garage sale, what'd you buy it for? It doesn't satisfy. It just doesn't. I'm just telling you, it really doesn't. Hebrews 13 says, be content with what you have. And when you begin to trust God with 10%, you're saying, God, I trust you with all that I have, and I know you'll bless the rest, and God will do it. So here is what God blesses. This is the order he blesses in with money. Here's it is. First you earn it, then you tithe it. The very first thing you do is you tithe it, then you save it, then you repay it. That's your debts, right? And then you enjoy it. And you actually can enjoy it debt-free eventually. If you, I promise you that can happen. Let me tell you another thing, too, that I've learned over the years. 
is that when you go on that vacation, when you get that new car or that home or even a second home, I, people say, oh, I feel so guilty for what I have. Why? If you're bringing the tithe to God, God's blessing, you don't feel guilty for that. That's what God wants. If, if having a nice house is such a curse, then does that mean heaven's full of curses? He's building a mansion for you. God wants you to be blessed. But, but if we feel guilty, it's, if we, it's okay to feel guilty, and it's right to actually feel guilty. If you're like, if you're, whatever you earn, whether a lot or little, if you give nothing to God, well, of course. But if you're honoring the Lord, then God's going to bless you, and he wants you to enjoy those blessings. There's nothing wrong with that. When you get the order right, 10, 10, 80, it changes everything. And here's a great thing I want to encourage you with. If you're scared to death, I want to encourage you with this. If you will do this, you will break the financial curse on your children, and they won't think tithing's a big deal at all. It'll be normal for them. Tithing was never hard for me. Why? My mom and dad did it. But my mom and dad didn't have parents who did it. They began to do it by faith, scared to death. God began to bless them. So I've grown up in a house that was blessed, so I saw it work. In the same way, so we began to tithe. My sister as well, then her family tithes. And so the next generations in our family have been blessed because my parents broke the financial curse and began to tithe in the Lord. My father grew up in a car. He grew up in a car. He went to 11 different elementary schools before the fourth grade. He knows poverty. God has blessed him, and God will bless you too. I just want to encourage you, the Lord takes care of those who honor him. There's a true story about Arnold Palmer in the 60s. He was the Tiger Woods of their day. The guy was an incredible golfer. One day he was invited by the king of Saudi Arabia to come and celebrate the opening of a golf course that he had opened in Saudi. And uh, he was invited. Arnold was a little nervous. He's like, I've never been to Saudi Arabia. I know the language. I don't know what this is going to be like, but he decided to go. And so the king flew his Learjet over to pick him up in these states. He flew him to Saudi Arabia for the weekend, and he played golf with the king. At the end of the golf tournament, the king threw a huge feast like only a king can. And at one point, they stopped all the festivities and said, and he said, Mr. Palmer, please come up here. And he came up. And the king said, thank you so much for coming. It's such an honor to have you here. Now, please let me ask, what can the king give you as a gift to say thank you? And Arnold, being a nice guy, he was. He said, oh, I'm good. You don't have to get me anything. He didn't understand the culture. You didn't do that with the king. The king was like, you insult the king? And Arnold quickly was like, oh, oh no, no, no. I mean, insult you. And he's like, well, what can I give you? So Arnold was like, uh, you know what? Buy me a golf club. I'll take a new golf club. That'd be great. Thanks. He's like, Done. So then the festivities go on. Arnold's like, whoo, that got awkward. You know, he's like, okay, I'm out of here, right? The next day he flies home. Three weeks later, he gets a knock at his door. He goes to the front door, opens the door. There's a courier there with a package. He hands him a package. It's small. And he thinks, well, what is this? And he says, it says from Saudi Arabia. And he thinks, well, this isn't a golf club. This is weird. It's not in the shape of a golf club. He opens it up and he pulls out the deed to a 156-acre golf club in California. Never underestimate the resources of a king, and you serve the king of kings. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. If you will trust the Lord, he will, he promises, he will bless you too. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just take a moment across all of our campuses? How do I know God's a giving God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the greatest gift of all time. Jesus is the tithe. He's called the son of man. 
He's the, he was the first son of God. And God gave him, and through his sacrifice, through Jesus' sacrifice, he then blesses the rest of us, the other 90%. He gave a tenth. God gave his son. Jesus died for our sins, and he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray this simple prayer across all of our campuses, those online. Pray this prayer with me right now, and you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Just say this prayer with me. You can just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin, and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around at all of our campuses, would you just lift your hand right now? If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. There's hands going up all across our campuses. Hold your hand high. Thank you. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Portland. Hold that hand high. Thank you, Padre Island. We see your hand there at Rodfield. Thank you. All the way in the back there at Stone Oak. Praise God. Thank you. If you're online with us, you can let us know in the text chat. Just text, my hand's raised, or click hand raised right now if you just gave your life to Christ. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Thank you. Thank you. And put your hands down now. Every head by the right closed. Maybe today you say, Lord, I feel the conviction of God. I don't want to live financially cursed. I don't want my kids to live financially cursed. I want to live financially blessed. If that's you today, just lift your hand. No one's looking around. Just lift your hand. You say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm scared to death. It's okay. We all were when we first did it. But I'm going to trust the Lord. Praise God. There's hands going up all across our churches. God sees you. And he honors your obedience. He truly does. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, God, that we can follow you. And Lord, thank you that you're not trying to get something from us. You're trying to get something to us. So Lord, we obey you today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. Well, it's offering time at Church Unlimited. It's an honor to give. It really is. Now, for those of you right now are like, oh, of course. Now we're going to have the offering after this, right? Hold up. If you feel manipulated, put your wallet up. Put it up. Tithe somewhere else. It's fine. God will still bless it. You know, non-Christians tithe. Did you know a lot of non-Christians, that people don't even claim to be people of faith tithe. Did you know that? And a lot of people that maybe aren't even that faithful to God, but are Christians, they tithe. Did you know that? I just did a little cursory research. I just Googled famous people who tithe. Kim Kardashian tithes. She says she tithes her 10% to her church. Warren Buffett, do you know he tithes? You know Robert Kiyosaki, he wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, tithes. I don't even know if he's a believer. It works even if you're not a believer, the principles work. Isn't that crazy? It's a powerful principle. So if you feel manipulated today, put your wallet up, tithe somewhere else. That's fine. But if you feel convicted, feel led, then open your heart to what God wants to do right now. I want to encourage you to do that. You know, one of the things that we do, you don't have to do this, but my family, we want to be blessed all the time. So we lined it up that every single time I get paid, I have it recurring giving. In fact, I actually know when my payday is. So I'm like, oh, I just, money just came out. That means I'm about to be paid. It's the same day I lined it up because I don't ever want to miss God's blessing. So maybe that's something you would do today too if you feel led. You don't have to. Don't do it under compulsion. The Bible's very clear. He loves a cheerful giver, not someone who gives from compulsion. That means if you feel manipulated, put your wallet up. But if you feel led. So let's just take a moment to pray. We're going to ask our ushers to come forward right now. Lord, we thank you, God. We want to be an obedient church. Lord, we thank you that we can give to you. We pray your blessings over this offering now. And we thank you, God for all that you're going to do for us. Lord, I can't wait to hear the stories from people this next week, this next couple of weeks 
about how you opened the door of blessing and poured it upon your people. Lord, we trust you. We love you. And Lord, we're going to be looking for your blessing because Lord, you told us, you promised us you'd do it. So Lord, we're going to put you to the test. And we thank you that we can bring our tithe to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a church that I can teach the full truth of God's word to you. Thank you for that. Grateful. Pastor.